welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks, season two, episode 12, also known as the Black Widow. Oh. Is that what you had? <laughs> That's, <No>. what... <laughs> That's what Paramount Plus told me. <laughs> really? I think I had, oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, I do have Black Widow. For some reason, I guess I was thinking of the last one, which was Masked Ball. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> no, you're fine. I was starting would, off the podcast with a brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> I would not have been surprised if Paramount was like, we're going to add our own titles because <laughs> why not? <sighs> yes. Okay. That makes sense. Because I think I was, I think I was just getting confused because the last. Po- Twin Peaks episode came out today, so I was listening to it, and then right. I watched the episode as well, so I think I'm just confused in my brain. <laughs> yeah, it was like, which episode is it? Because <laughs> Black Widow does make sense for this episode. <laughs> yes. Kind of. <laughs> they, that was it. They always kind of make sense. <laughs> Except for Mast Ball did not make sense. No. <laughs> that one we were like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that seems more um jane austeny than twin peaks if you ask me yeah or a fancy dress as they would call it in jane austen right world. <laughs> uh, uh, so what did you think what was your first impression uh well i did very much like this episode i feel <laughs> like i think i my final thoughts of the last episode was like i feel like we're at a turning point and then <laughs> my first impression of this episode was like I think this is a turning point episode because I feel like so much <laughs> stuff is like being set up again but it didn't really feel like a like set up episode it was definitely very actiony and we had so much going on and yeah I really enjoyed kind of building it building on the last one yeah definitely and I'm glad we got more Audrey in this episode finally yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's been forever yeah and she was really good I just, yeah, I thought it was really fun. There was a lot of silliness and melodrama. And, you know, I feel like the one thing that maybe people feel like it's missing when it gets to these episodes is, like, there's no, like, kind of overarching tragedy going on. (laughs) I guess, like, Cooper not being an FBI agent is kind of sad. But it's not like, you know, there's no, like, melancholy thing that's hanging over everybody. (laughs) <laughs> right. There's nothing that's like taxing the entire community in a way. Right. I was thinking about that this episode because it ends with the picture, you know, the credits roll over Laura Palmer. And I'm like, it's so crazy because we're kind of done with that in a way. Like we're not completely done with it because, you know, there's all the stuff with Bob and, you know, the lodges and all that. But right. it feels like, you know, we haven't even heard Laura's name in the past few episodes. Yeah. And considering, like, each episode is kind of usually, at least up until this point, I think maybe we're a little less strict about it. But up until this point, it was kind of like each episode is a day. So, right, you know, the whole first season was like a week. And right. up until this point was like maybe a whole another week. So maybe two weeks have passed since the show started. But I feel like now maybe time is stretching out a little bit and more stuff Mm -hmm. you know is not being seen and just kind of passing by but uh, i guess it could still be like a couple days though i don't know it's hard to say because (laughs) who knows how long james is there and (laughs) right it definitely feels like the the world around twin peaks is expanding 
because we're yeah. kind of getting into the more supernatural stuff and all those stuff we are we've got like little inklings of but now we're kind of really getting into it and so yeah. I can totally see maybe why there's a lot of like stuff we're not seeing but we're kind of like getting later on and kind of talking about instead of actually seeing it because there's maybe a lot more ground to cover now yeah and it almost feels like this is setting up a lot of stuff that happens in like season three and when we get to our deep dive we'll talk about some secret history of twin peaks stuff as well so (laughs) interesting yeah but i really enjoyed this episode I was just laughing. I don't know. I've been watching. I've been doing a lot of podcast stuff really early in the morning. (laughs) So I watched this episode like right after I woke up and I was like, this is the best thing to watch when I wake up in the morning. (laughs) You have your uh, cup of joe. And And it was raining all day, which fit with the episode. So (laughs) I was about to say, we end on a big old thunderstorm. You just need your. I haven't had one of those in a while. Right. You just need your cherry pie donut to fill the void, to fill both those voids. If only I could order takeout from the double R. DoorDash at the double R, if only. That'd be so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was thinking in one of the scenes where um, Ernie's eating, like, it looks like fried chicken. And I was like, (laughs) fried chicken looks so good. And I couldn't tell if it was because I was starving or if because it just looked that good. (laughs) Yeah, I was starving. I made myself a huge breakfast after I finished watching. Because <laughs> I'm refusing to allow myself to get DoorDash now that my kitchen is usable. <laughs> right. <laughs> I contemplated ordering food this morning and I was like, let me not spend money that I don't need. DoorDash is it's, too simple. It has to be a very special occasion for me to get breakfast DoorDash. <laughs> <laughs> But it has happened uh, on occasion. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. There's been plenty of time I've ordered a waffle or, you know, nice <laughs> coffee, something fun. Yeah. Well, should we go ahead and get into the next? <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Okay. I was, I you've been doing the notes for the majority of, Twin Peaks for a while but mm-hmm. at the beginning pretty much almost every episode had its own Wikipedia entry but we are getting to the point where only select episodes have their own Wikipedia entry oh really not one of them <laughs> oh interesting but I did manage to glean a few little factoids this okay. episode was directed by Caleb Deschanel one of the regulars right 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 right, right. yeah it was written by Harley Payton and Robert Ingalls, also part of the basically the writing staff. <laughs> I was going to say, the old regulars. It was released, I guess the first one after the Christmas break, January 12th, 1991. <laughs> <laughs> good month. It's a good month. It's funny to see the, the year 1991 written out. <laughs> it's been so long. Because it, it feels like it was 100,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it had 10.3 million viewers. Whoa. Sounds like <laughs> a lot to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay, and we had we did have some new characters. We did. Tony Burton played Colonel Riley, who was a fun new character coming in. Yeah. I don't know if we get a lot more with him, but I was like, this feels like a setting up season three type of a character. Mm. 
Nicholas Love played Malcolm Sloan, uh, I, Evelyn's brother. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, right, right. That's not the right person. <laughs> uh, Geraldine Keems played Irene Littlehorse, the real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And Molly Shannon played Judy oh! Swain. <laughs> <laughs> if you could have heard the decibel that I yelled, Molly Shannon, when I saw her on screen. Uh, I always love seeing her. She's so great. Yeah. And, you know, this is like the second really, I was, because, you know, when we watched Blue Velvet, oh my God, the name is totally escaping me right now. But she was only in the, the um, she got cut out of the movie. She was Kyle MacLachlan's girlfriend. Oh. Will and Grace. Megan Mullally. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. And now Molly Shannon is appearing as a little tiny part. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> great casting, always. Yes, I did think, like, oh, what would a night, an episode of SNL be if David Lynch had hosted back in the day? <laughs> I probably would have loved it. <laughs> well... Maybe we should cover it like the summer or something, but there was an SNL episode that Kyle MacLachlan hosted at like the peak of Ooh. Twin Peaks mania. And it had uh -huh. some, definitely had some Twin Peaks sketches. I Interesting. It, least, it definitely had one. I don't, it might've had a couple. I feel like it was very Twin Peaks themed the whole episode. <laughs> so we should definitely try to cover that one. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. It's just like a, a fun little extra. <laughs> and then I did have also... <sighs> I hate to even mention him yet because I don't think we barely saw him, but Jeffrey Marsh was played by John Apicella. Mm -hmm. John Apicella. Okay. Yeah, he, we saw him from Evelyn's a distance. Husband, yeah. <laughs> okay, and so some little factoids. The recitation that Lana inspires <laughs> from, <laughs> I guess, is it Doc Haywood and somebody else i felt like all the mm -hmm. men were reciting it is from romeo and juliet act one scene five right. and i was like marianne and willoughby would totally get that one. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they'd be uh, like we've said it to each other 10 times i know i think this episode was just so funny to watch having just read that section about marianne and willoughby oh yeah the poem that pete recites to Catherine is called a drinking song by yeats and according to the map that the colonel shows, the map is actually like, I guess it was kind of the wrong map for the area because it was for Los <laughs> Padres National Forest and Lake Cachuma, which is near Santa Barbara, California. <laughs> oh, hmm. <laughs> Just a little bit off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's what they were going for. The signals are coming from Santa Barbara, California, but... I think they were trying to make it the woods, the Twin Peaks woods. I can't remember because yeah. I wasn't as specific. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm sure maybe they were like, what map do we have on hand that has like a large clump of woods? And that was the one that made the cut. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. And then I have the log lady intro. Oh, right. All right. As I was rudely interrupted by a dog. <laughs> Is a dog man's best friend? <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i had a dog the dog was large it ate my garden all the plants and much earth the dog ate so much earth it died its body <laughs> went back to the earth i have a memory of this dog the memory is all that i have left of my dog he was black and white <laughs> oh. <laughs> and that was a dramatic retelling of the log <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> snaps for you, snaps for you. <laughs> My dog is red. <laughs> <laughs> My dog is black and white. Yours is black and white. Yes, and she I will say, eat any earth. <laughs> no, but if she could, she would. Uh, <laughs> I would say she's also a little pink because she does have alopecia. And she's <laughs> soft like a bubby. Yes. She's a ding dong. But interesting log lady intro though. Very uh <laughs> very dark. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what is the dog? But I guess it's Dead Dog Farms. Yeah. So are we saying that this is about the dog from Dead Dog Farms, maybe? Maybe. I feel like she's just as connected to like the history of Twin Peaks, whether she was a part of it or she's been told about it by whatever connection she has that Maybe this has something to do with it. I'm creating a whole new backstory for Margaret in my head in which her family, she grew up on Dead Dog Farm. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) Hopefully hopefully it wasn't named that before (laughs) because what a name. Maybe the dead dog is why they left the farm. Maybe. Hmm. (laughs) I don't like it. But anyway, that's all I have for notes. Should we get into the recap? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Episode 12. So we open in Ben Horn's office where Bobby has come to meet with him. Bobby, baby. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like this is his Bobby baby era because he's got <laughs> slick back hair. He's wearing a suit all the time. A hundred percent. He walks into what I would say is the most neatly disheveled office and a very <laughs> neatly disheveled bed horn. And they start talking about the tape that he left him. I like his furniture mountain that he's made. Yes. yes. <laughs> and this is actually the part where I really thought about Laura because at the top was the little, the white fox, I guess that's what it is. Oh, is that uh, what it was? The, uh, and, what was it? It was like a, or, uh, I want to say ermine, but I think that's <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I'm not good at animal, animal thingies. Yeah. <laughs> some sort of white thing, but I thought about her and I was like, we haven't heard about her in a while. Yeah. But I wonder if there's any sort of, if it was just because it was one of the smallest things or was there a reason it was at the top? I don't know. I don't know. Well, we just, we can't forget about Laura. She's still there. Yes. Very much a part of the story. But they start talking and Ben devises a plan to um, for Bobby to follow Hank and, with a camera and document what he sees. Maybe get some evidence that he could have for leverage. I like that Bobby goes in there like intent on like some sort of blackmail and comes out as Ben's new goon. Right. Without even getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get paid until he gets back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just shows how naive Bobby is. <laughs> and I like it when Ben says, admiration is for poets and dairy cows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, he's so funny all right then we're as bobby's leaving we're right outside the door where the new mrs milford is running like a crazy person screaming she kind of looks like she's smiling though (laughs) yeah that's i was like interesting and then she's also wearing i thought at first it was her wedding dress and i was like why is she still wearing it but then after looking at it again it's like a nighty that looks like a wedding dress kind of i think it's like you know first night negligee oh. type of stuff mm-hmm. 
And that she also has like some sort of, I think she still has her veil on, doesn't she? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it wasn't part of the, the stuff they were up to that we'll find out later on. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then at the station, Coop is meeting with the realtor on houses and can't decide which one he wants. So he flips a coin, leaving it up to fate. And it lands on an option that was not part of his original two called <laughs> Dead Dog Farm. Ooh, that uh, coin flip is like, feels like heavy with significance. And it's even got like oh, the yeah. rec room music underneath it. Yeah, I was like, this feels, <laughs> has some significance. <laughs> I also really like Cooper and Plaid. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah. I'm not in the FBI anymore, so I have to live <laughs> with the locals. <laughs> it's like, this is a uh, Friday casual <laughs> at the office. And of course, Cooper is immediately intrigued by something called Dead Dog Farm. <laughs> Yes, I did write the worst name imaginable. Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> uh, but I guess Coop is drawn to it and asks when he can see it. <sighs> it is significant. <laughs> yeah, very. I mean, <laughs> clearly the fates wanted him redeemed. Yes, yes. So now we're at the front of the station where Dick enters in shorts. And I wrote, I never thought I'd see Dick of all people wearing shorts in the show, but whatever. <laughs> He seems not like a short person. Somehow. <laughs> he does look good in shorts and they are, I think they're corduroy shorts. <laughs> very, <Yes. laughs> uh, very fashionable. <laughs> but he's also got that like fluffy jacket. So yes, which I love that jacket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's meeting with Andy, Lucy, and I think she's a caseworker, but I said a social worker because that's the kind of vibe she gave me. But from the happy... Happy Helping Hands organization, say that four times fast, named Judy Swain, who's played by Molly Shannon. I just put Molly Shannon, exclamation point! (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did. I put five exclamation points. (laughs) Um, And then I wrote, I also love that her vest is plaid. So much plaid this episode. They start to talk about little Nikki's life and how it was full of misfortune and all sorts of trauma. Persistent random misfortune. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just hilarious to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they find out that he's an orphan. Random misfortune. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> I did laugh a lot when she said that. I was like, how do you have persistent misfortune? <laughs> right, random persistent. <laughs> Then they find out that he's an orphan and that his parents died of mysterious circumstances, dot, dot, dot. They were killed, she says. Right, <laughs> but right. But they don't know they how <laughs> or yeah, why. The, or... They, she thinks she said the orphanage wouldn't divulge that information to them. They never, yeah, they never provided the circumstances of the murder. Which, <laughs> which seems very, uh, ooh. And then I wrote, Minnie Bob, question mark, question mark. And then Harry and Andy have to head to the Great Northern for an emergency. We cut to Dougie Milford's room, where we see Doc Hayward closing Dougie's eyes as he has died of a heart attack. What? I just I just think this is hilarious. Like, Oh, yes. <laughs> death by Kama Sutra. <laughs> yeah. I wrote, clearly this happened during an intimate moment. <laughs> Uh, we see Andy reading a very detailed passage from a book called My Secret Life. They have a lot of books for, you know, the first night yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, it was pre, uh, pre-internet, pre so they had to do get their information from somewhere, I guess. Good point. <laughs> and these books ranged from love poems to the Karma Sutra, like you said. And there's a chest of 
interesting. I wrote sex toys slash accompaniments. I couldn't tell what they were because there was like a mask <laughs> and then there was like a figurine and <laughs> there was all sorts of stuff in there. I was like, I don't know what those are for, but I guess I didn't really found out. I feel like they're really into masks and stuff in Twin Peaks in the sex world of Twin Peaks because like yeah they had that one with Audrey at One Eye Jacks and then mm-hmm. was it in the fire the Secret Diary didn't Laura have like a whole oh. encounter where she was like had a mask on the whole time where she was like she couldn't see anything yeah. I, I don't know it was like <laughs> yeah there was something like that where she was either like blindfolded or in a mask or something like that hmm. I guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess the mask ball does make sense so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> uh, Mayor Milford enters a room and immediately starts blaming his new wife for his death because, of course, it's her fault because she's a gold digger, <laughs> apparently. And then she tells Hawk that she's cursed with men. Um, <laughs> and then I wrote, sort of really gets self to be true since Hawk immediately embarrasses himself by falling into the room. Well, we know for a fact that she is. Right. I mean, she was a teen witch. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Top that. <laughs> she, she was clearly hexed. I like it when Dougie, yeah, Dougie. Well, no, Dwayne. Is it Dougie? Mm-hmm. Dwayne Dougie's is the, dead. Dougie's dead. When Dwayne yeah. says, you sexual adventurous, she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if they laughed about it like afterwards, like, she's a witch. <laughs> she truly puts everyone under her spell. I'm impressed. Yes, I do have some thoughts about that at the end that we'll get to. It's like (laughs) some supernatural things going on around here. So now we cut to probably my favorite scene of this episode. Um, We're in the school gym where the wrestling coach is. Oh, did you talk about how she found out she was cursed the first time she ever made out with a boy? Oh, no, I didn't say it, but it was pretty funny (laughs) where (laughs) the guy had braces. Somehow (laughs) she broke the rubber bands broke and it led to the boy having to get his jaw broken in three places or <laughs> yes. something. I was like, that is a curse. <laughs> I yeah, don't know how you manage that one. <laughs> Not only do you have to suffer through braces, but now you have to have your jaw broken just to <laughs> fix them. Ugh. All because you wanted to make out with Robin Lively. <laughs> <laughs> she is cursed. Or maybe she's cursing them. Dun, dun, dun. Probably because she's a witch. Uh, so now we cut to my favorite scene of this episode where we're at school gym and the wrestling coach is announcing their newest member nadine (laughs) (laughs) he sets up a quick sparring match between mike and nadine which i'm sure seems kismet to her (laughs) and she very quickly makes good work of mike (laughs) and i wrote using moves only seen on wwe because I always I cut to her picking him up and spinning him around and then throwing him. I love the way she throws him. It's so funny. And she's like, after every throw, she's like, so Saturday night? Is that where we're going out? Or I, know. I like it when she's like, you're right. This is sort of like necking. <laughs> I also um, love the coach and his whole speech beforehand. And he's like, yes, there's a moral and constitutional right for her to compete. <laughs> he's like she has to even though she's an adult <laughs> oh, that's funny but i just was thinking like she would do so well in a culture where like <laughs> fighting and violence is like 
a value. And I was like, was she a Viking in a past life? Because <laughs> she seems to really <laughs> revel in being, I don't know, a top athlete. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> right. Especially with the eye patch. Yeah, <laughs> that was really <laughs> what was killing me. All right, so we're back to James, and I wrote in parentheses, ugh. And he meets Evelyn's brother, Malcolm, who is a very oh, creepy wait. person. Do we talk about, oh, because one of my favorite, like, little tiny Donna and Mike scenes is right after that. Oh, right. <laughs> Where <laughs> he wants her to pretend to be his girlfriend. She's like, I'm not that good of an actress. Yes, Sorry. Yes. <laughs> she rolls her eyes at him. It's just such a, like, great little Donna moment where you're like, well, Donna's living her life and she's not just pining after James. She's also making fun right. of Mike relentlessly if she can. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that I kind of want more of this Donna because she just is like, doesn't really care about Mike. She's like, I don't care about you anymore. Yeah. Just Donna being Donna in school and like a teenager is fun. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so we meet Evelyn's brother, Malcolm, and I couldn't hear this line but he's the driver for her husband right yeah okay so he's like the chauffeur okay yeah. but he immediately starts to spill the beans on uh, evelyn and her husband's relationship and about how he's very abusive hmm. and yeah, does he remind you of any other characters he kind of reminds me of hank a little bit is that that's right? what i was gonna say i'm getting very <laughs> hank vibes because he's like such a talker like i'm just gonna come in yeah and tell you everything that you're supposed to know or whatever. Right. And I was like, but he won't do anything about it. I'm like, that's your sister. You gotta do something. Yeah. And he's been there for a while. And James. Yeah. Four years. Just barely makes an expression. (laughs) (laughs) He's just, huh? Okay. (laughs) He's very Eleanor like in that he holds everything close to the vest. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> his mind is working. Sensibility, if you're not following along with that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I will say Eleanor is a little bit of a James, but she's kind of a better version of James because oh yeah, she does a lot more. <laughs> I would never say Eleanor is a James, but James has characteristics of Eleanor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> James is a lesser Eleanor, is what I meant. Excuse me. <laughs> Um, so now we finally arrive at Dead Dog Farm, where Coop right away puts his detective skills to work. He spots some tire marks from three different vehicles. And then after they head inside, he finds baby laxative in the kitchen sink and cocaine residue on the chair. And he puts that <sighs> in his mouth. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he finds a white powder in the sink and is like, mm, let me taste that. <laughs> mm, yeah. I was like, I did think I was like, luckily it's baby laxative and not adult laxative because he would have had a very terrible after effect. Yeah. And I like this real estate agent and then she's just like, she gives like this whole lore associated with right. dead dog farms. And she's like, the best and the worst are drawn to dead dog farms and just kind of gets sucked into this investigation immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how she is so calm and she's not ever like, oh my God, cocaine. She's just like, <laughs> yep, we're at Dead Dog Farm. <laughs> I don't think he went there looking for an investigation, but no, Cooper can find an investigation anywhere he goes. <laughs> no, clearly fate was on his side because <laughs> definitely they're leading him right to it. <laughs> All right, 
So <laughs> for this next scene, I wrote, adding more confusion to my previous thoughts on Vic. He's attempting to change attire himself. <laughs> very badly. <laughs> very, very badly. I wrote, I want those boots because he always has nice stuff. I was wearing boots very similar to that today. <laughs> Ooh, I love those boots. Those little hiking mountainy boots. Yeah. What I didn't understand is why is Nikki in the car for this scene? Why is he in the car? Because... I guess because Dick is dumb. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes. And he's trying to... I would assume he was trying to teach him how to change a tire, but then also learning how to change a tire at the same time. So <laughs> Yeah, he, he really would have benefited from us being in the age of the cell phone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Some YouTube videos. To... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it looks like he jacked up the car by the bumper. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> which probably leads to it falling later, which maybe, oh, but or maybe, I just you know. Skip through the whole scene, but. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I mean, I, the whole, before that point, the only thing I wrote was that they have matching Sherpa jackets, which is really cute. <laughs> <laughs> they match exactly the same. I think that's why he has to wear shorts because they're like, he's like, well, I have to wear the jacket. But it's too hot for the jacket, right. so I gotta wear shorts. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel bad for poor little Nikki. I know he's the probably way he, bored. Like, runs in and hugs him when he thinks that he might have be crushed by the car. <laughs> oh, see, I had a very different thought about this whole scene because he's turning the wheel and then he gets out and then he just kind of stands off to the side and it's kind of like creepily looking back <laughs> and. And then the car falls and it just feels very, if you've ever seen the movie, The Omen, feels right. very much that. I'm like, hmm. Well, Dick obviously has the same ideas. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I was like, was it because it was the bumper or was it little Nicky? Hmm. More supernatural stuff, maybe. Well, I just felt sorry for him because <laughs> he was like, oh no, someone else who I trust is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so distrusting of little blonde children because I my first thought was he's just trying to cover up so that he can be like not suspected that he is an evil antichrist. But oh, see, I've read too much Anne of Green Gables. Oh. Don't blame the orphans; it's not their fault. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen too many horror movies involving orphans, so <laughs> we're at different ends of the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> Back in Harry's office, they meet with, what did you say? I didn't write down his name, uh, but Colonel the lieutenant. Riley. Oh, Colonel Riley. I am bad with these the military ranks. Colonel <laughs> Riley. And they start talking about Briggs's disappearance. They talk about any animals at the scene, specifically owls and secret messages being transmitted. And they don't know where. <sighs> owls I like, back laughed out. out loud when they were like, we know about the messages from deep space. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, well, they're not necessarily going to these space. But once again, all this information is classified, so they can't really do much with it. Yeah, so they're not coming from space, they're coming from the woods. And mm -hmm. he says, uh, we'll make the Cold War seem like a case of sniffles. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, was... Was that just like by coincidence or was that a dad joke? Like the Cold War sniffles? <laughs> I think it is a dad joke, but... <laughs> I was like, sir, please. <laughs> so we're back at the Marsh residence and mm -hmm. James has fixed up the Jaguar and 
him and Evelyn are talking. And at first I wrote that interesting. This is the only blonde woman James won't go after. And then they start kissing. So I wrote, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And he sure loves a tortured blonde woman. Well, she's so like, God, she's so such a new noir, like Like very sultry and, you know, (laughs) leading the man into temptation. And (laughs) (laughs) she does kind of like, you know, ease her way into the car, almost like, like a leopard or something. She is very, (laughs) very much that. Yeah. I was like, maybe tell your brother not to tell strangers your whole life story within two minutes of meeting them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then we see that Mr. Marsh has come home and (gasps) things get a little tense. All right. So back at the Great Northern, Bobby returns with his evidence. Him and Audrey have a little one-on-one in the hallway, clearly with her playing him very easily. They're such a good pairing. (laughs) They are. I kind of did like that scene together, although I was like, Bobby, you're so dumb. <laughs> I know, she could just wrap him right around her finger, not even right, <laughs> <laughs> barely trying. <laughs> and of course, Bobby's totally forgot about Shelly. <laughs> of course, yeah. Which I'm like, where is Shelly? We haven't seen her in so long. But, <sighs> She's slaving away over Leo. Uh, yeah, Leo. Ugh. But we go into Ben's office and he is setting up miniature of, <laughs> of a civil war of Gettysburg. The first there battle at go. Gettysburg. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote, why are grown men always obsessed with either the civil war or World War II? Because uh, <laughs> it seems to be the two main focuses regarding wars. He's already got the civil war jacket on. I uh, We have CSX here in Jacksonville and mm-hmm. I haven't known a lot of old men who worked at CSX, but I have known a couple in my lifetime and they always, always had gigantic model train sets. (laughs) And for some reason, (laughs) this makes me think of that. (laughs) It is, that is interesting because I'm watching The Gilded Age right now on HBO, which will probably be my recommendation slash what I'm watching right now. (laughs) Um, But one of the characters is, it's kind of like around the big, what's it called? Uh, like train boom, railroad uh-huh. boom. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of them is a train tycoon. So I, I do, I don't remember if there's specifically any like train models in his house, but it does feel like he should have train models. So I feel like if you work in the train business, you probably should have a train model. <laughs> they also all smoke pipes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a requirement for working there you have so, to have a train a model <laughs> i really yeah that's another storyline that is controversial that i like but a lot of people don't this what story that's starting ben ben and uh bobby uh yeah ben and his mental breakdown <laughs> um why don't people like it i don't necessarily mind it i mean it makes sense his life well, fell apart there's still a lot to go <laughs> we'll see what happens Right, right. But it's funny because even though he's having like this kind of breakdown, you know, like creating mountains of furniture and now right. doing Civil War reenactments or whatever he's doing, he still is like surprisingly with it at certain moments yeah. where he's like, oh, I'll just use Bobby for my own right. <laughs> purposes. And it gives him like, I think he gives him like a hundred bucks at the end. Like, Something like that. I was like, that's Bobby. it? Because, <laughs> like, I wonder if, if Bobby knew that he was trailing, like, the basically, like, drug lords and traffickers, I'm sure he would be like, I need more than $100. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I'm surprised he did so well. 
right yeah all this information <laughs> i don't know i think it's just fate once again working in coop's favor because they're like he needs pictures so true, true. <laughs> make him work out i guess <laughs> But we see Audrey sneak into a little side compartment in the hallway where she's spying in on their conversation. Audrey spying is just like, that should be an image from the show. Just like a quintessential image. (laughs) Maybe like with lights shining through the slats or something. Yeah, like in her eyes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She spies in on their conversation and spots the envelope, clearly putting her own plan in motion. Uh, then we cut to the Martell residence where we see Pete and Catherine popping some champagne and toasting. <laughs> and then I wrote, maybe not Pete's first drink of the day, question mark, because he seemed very zooted. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> what is Catherine wearing in this scene? This seems so like, <laughs> yeah, this seems almost like, oh, I guess, would you call it a nighty? It's not like a very, like, it's more like a... A fancy moo-moo? <laughs> Maybe. Because it did feel kind of gauzy and, like, light. Yeah. I'm like, I just... I mean, I guess it's breakfast. Champagne for breakfast, but... <laughs> yeah. Still, I feel it like she'd is... be wearing, like, a black robe or something, not a... Right. Really white... Frilly, <laughs> puffy thing. <laughs> it didn't feel like a costume in a way. <laughs> but Pete gives her two toasts, which... The second one she did not ask for, but she then <laughs> calls <limerick>. Josie over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine calls Josie over, which I was kind of like taken aback at how different she looks just with her hair down and not sick back. Like she looks so different yeah. to me. Yeah. She, Catherine says they're ready for their breakfast appetizers, which I'm like, I kind of want a breakfast appetizer. Yeah, right. <laughs> Every meal of the day appetizer? should be at least three parts, in my opinion. <laughs> but it does feel like to me at the end of the scene that Josie kind of has her own secret plan in the works because she does kind of seem very like suspicious and very like, yeah, sure, I'll do what you say for now. Yeah, she doesn't seem like super oppressed by them. But I like it right. when Catherine's like, Put on your little maid's cap. <laughs> she just jauntily puts it on her head. <laughs> she just rests it right on top. And I like Pete being like, here's to you, poodle. <laughs> <laughs> poodle. Poodle. <laughs> With like one eye giant and one eye little. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So now we're back at the Great Northern in Coop's room where he's recording a message to Diane about... I love that he's still uh, talking to Diane. <laughs> I know. We don't get to meet her until season three, right? Right. But it, it right. feels like he hasn't talked to her in a while. Yeah. Probably because he's not like technically been working. That's true. So maybe. True. But I'm glad we have her back. But <laughs> he's talking to her about Wyndham Earl and about the his response to his move and how Wyndham has anticipated his move and (laughs) i was thinking like he seems a lot more dangerous than maybe i originally thought windham earl and maybe it's because he's so kind of like chaotic and kind of hard to pin down Mm, yeah it's very disconcerting and we haven't even met windham earl yet i want to meet him (laughs) (sighs) but audrey stops by okay we haven't met him at all I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe because we I feel like we just talked about him. Yeah, we've definitely talked about him before. Because didn't we find out that he escapes yes. like a asylum or something? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, Audrey stops by to hand over the picture she stole from Ben, 
And I wrote Audrey to the rescue once again. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, Denise stops by and Audrey seems to be immediately infatuated with her, especially after finding out she's an agent. She was like, women are agents too. And she's like, I want to be Denise. I feel like Audrey being fascinated with Denise is just everything. (laughs) I know. I'm like, can we have like, can Denise be like her mentor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, can Audrey be her apprentice, please? <laughs> yeah. And then it seems like Denise has all the evidence she'll need to clear Coop. And then <laughs> the ending of that scene where they're talking about Audrey and Denise is like, how old is that girl? <laughs> and then I wrote uh, that Coop conflates sexual orientation with gender identity. And then Denise lets him know that the two are mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> they have nothing to do with one another. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now we're at the double R. And I wrote, I feel like we haven't seen Ed in forever too. It's like I missing know. all these people. <laughs> but him and Norma are talking about how things are right now. And they're kind of bonding a little bit, holding hands secretly on the counter. And Hank clearly is watching because you see him twisting his little domino, his gross domino that he puts in his mouth. Oh, Hank. <laughs> he always has to ruin all the good moments. And then I put an angry frowny face in my notes. <laughs> Norma and Ed, just, they just so obviously love each other. It's just, I know. I'm watching them look at each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, just get together. Leave your partners. Norma will be fine. I mean, uh, Nadine will be fine. She's going to be wrestling state champion. <laughs> Now we're back at the police station and Dick has come in and we see Lucy start fixing her hair and getting ready for them to see each other. And he spots Andy and that's who he's come to see. (laughs) And I wrote that them being friends is somewhat friends is actually the cutest thing ever in his little shorts. And (laughs) they start to gossip about little Nikki's past, which uh, reinforces my omen comment from the beginning. And oh, little Nikki being the devil. <laughs> yes. And then we get that little imagery in uh, Andy's head of him in the devil costume, which is so cute. That was hilarious. It's so not like anything that has ever happened on the show before. It's no, just like, it did feel so different, but it was funny. It feels like, okay, we're in a straight up silly comedy now, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I feel like it fits with Andy and I, I kind of hope they do more of it because it did make me laugh. Yeah. But then we see the mayor is leaving or he's in Harry's office and Doc lets him know that his brother did die of natural causes. So it's <laughs> not the witch's fault. He says, did you check him for witchcraft? And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, she is a teen witch. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't have the tools to do so. <laughs> He's being escorted out, and we see that she's just down the hall with Hawk, who's asking for some milk to put... I can't remember, what was it? Irish... Was it Irish cream that it was? It was some sort of liquor you put in milk, I think. It was gross, because I don't like milky, creamy liquor. There's a lot of drinks that are, like, have milk. Like, white Russians and... Yeah, stuff like Mm, that. Gross. Grossness. (laughs) It's only gross if you drink too many of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And then we cut to, it's kind of like later in the evening, it feels like. Maybe it's because the storm is coming through and it's darkened the room and feels like the station is abandoned. And Lucy gets a call 
And then she tries to patch it through to Harry, but nobody answers. And she <laughs> does her little intercom routine and still no answer. So she goes into the room and everyone is infatuated with the Milford widow. There she's <laughs> love. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I love that Lucy can literally carry two minutes of just like physical comedy with no dialogue (laughs) on her own. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But she's retelling some stories, I guess it sounds like from her childhood or from earlier on her life. And I wrote, why is everyone ignoring Lucy (laughs) this episode? (laughs) (laughs) Because she's a witch. That is where I wrote my notes. Top that. (laughs) (laughs) you're like i've already said it once (laughs) (laughs) this is where i did write it like is there something supernatural about milford widow is she a siren and why is there a pitcher of milk disgusting (laughs) i don't really give a about trying to top that (laughs) (laughs) sorry i watched a lot of teen witch as a child (laughs) Uh, the only teen witch i watched was sabrina the teenage witch not not at all the same no <laughs> not how this get made on teen witch as well <laughs> definitely but, suggest um, going back and watching it because it is teen always. witch <laughs> hmm. maybe we could do that as part of our little extra stuff too, oh my god thing. yes we, we gotta get this patreon started so that seriously we can add it to these episodes <laughs> <laughs> But I did, like, there's something siren-like about her where everyone is, like, transfixed by every word she says. And there's something about her that seems very supernatural-esque. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. She's got pheromones coming off of her. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But back to the double R, I wrote, poor dumb Ernie is finally caught. And he's eating that delicious fried chicken. And Denise walks up and takes a seat. And she basically tells him he's done for. He's caught. He's got nowhere to run. And she takes him back to Coop's room for questioning. She does well, not know Storm. How to put on lipstick properly, I will say. <laughs> no, that, okay. I Even I noticed that. And it bugged me. I was me, like, I was like awkward. <laughs> yeah. Also, you've, like, it's not like some of it was, like, smudged off or coming. It was, like, thinning. You had plenty on. So <laughs> you couldn't <laughs> practice in your trailer. I should have just been, like, Listen, David, this is how you put it on. <laughs> exactly. Practice a couple of times in your dressing room. <laughs> Ugh, but they're back in Coop's room questioning Ernie and the storm is raging outside, thundering. And I wrote in quotations, Bob, question mark. And yeah, it's very like, what was the episode that had the big storm? It must have been like it's season one or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's like just in all of the scenes from here on out, it's just very... But I did look, have scary. to look up Ernie during the scene because I was like, was he in the odd couple or something? I feel like I think <laughs> that's Jack Lemon, but I had to look up his IMDb and he has done a lot. He worked a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he has that look like when you see his like headshot on his IMDb page, you're like, oh, yeah, he did a lot of like older movies. Yeah, he just 60s, has that look 70s. about him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. And then I, I wrote, is playing dumb a part of Ernie's act or is he just that dumb? Because he <laughs> seems to be rattling on about things that don't matter. And <laughs> Denise and Cooper are very frustrated with it. I also like that no one realizes that Denise was not born a woman. <laughs> right. <laughs> no one clocks her at all. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, 
I guess it's like almost like a, an idealized world where trans women don't need to pass, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So now we're back at the Marsh residence and James wakes up to hear that Evelyn's husband is abusing her again. He is yelling, glasses crashing and all sorts of stuff. And then her brother just enters his room without <laughs> knocking, just comes in. I know. I know. Her brother kind of sucks. <laughs> Yeah, and because he's like, eh, if I could do something, I would. I promised I would four years ago. I was like, you're four a piece years of garbage. You've been letting this happen. Exactly. I was like, you're a piece of shit. But James watching through the window is very Northanger Abbey, by the way. <laughs> it was. It was, and because the the room had a very gothic feel to it, even though it wasn't like a gothic architecture. Yeah, it's very dark and. <laughs> You can tell by the look on his face that James is going to make it his mission to rescue her. (laughs) Or at least try. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Then we're finally at the Briggs residence where Bobby comes home and finds his mom on the couch sitting in the dark. And you can tell that she's so heartbroken over Garland being gone. And it's very sad. And they kind of have this conversation about him and how Bobby tells her that they had this really kind of intense but very like good conversation at the double R together. And she seems very touched. And then all of a sudden lightning flashes and Garland's in the living room. He's back. (laughs) (laughs) I like before he comes back, Bobby is like, my father is a deeply weird individual. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, he's very unique. (laughs) But he's not just back. He's dressed as like an old timey pilot. (laughs) <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. An old-timey <laughs> fighter pilot. <laughs> uh, then he asked Bobby to make him a strong cocktail. Because I'm sure he's going to be retelling this very odd experience he's gone through. I feel like he comes back so quickly. Like, I guess my memory yeah. of him is being gone longer. But it's only been like two episodes. Yeah, and uh, he's only been gone, they said, two days. So Yeah, I guess we're <laughs> to the one day per episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it does look like, based on his outfit and kind of how disheveled he is, I was like, did he just, like, teleport out of the middle of a war? Did he go back in time? (laughs) Yeah, it does very feel like that. (laughs) That's the end of our episode. It's very, very spooky at the end, and we get that visual of the clouds. I mean, duh, obviously Lana is the Black Widow, but for some reason at the end of my notes I wrote, so is Evelyn the Black Widow? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If only. But maybe she, she needs to be a black widow. <laughs> she should be. Her husband sounds horrible. <laughs> Definitely sounds that way. Um, if James can do one good thing. <laughs> no, but if James can do one good thing. He can save her. Yeah. Come on, James. Do one good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. <sighs> but what was your favorite scene? Oh, Okay. I feel like I had like five different favorites in this episode. So <laughs> there was a good bunch of good ones. I really love all of the Lana being a witch. Yes. And like <laughs> drawing every man in the vicinity into her web immediately. <laughs> Completely guilelessly, but it seems. Right. I like I really like the like just tiny little Mike Donna scene and the Mike yes. Nadine scene. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. I like Bobby and Audrey being like a new kind of team. Yes. 
I mean, I like a lot. <laughs> so those are probably my favorites <laughs> of all of them. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I would say it had a lot of good scenes, but my probably my top favorite was the Nadine and Mike wrestling scene, just because Nadine is the best and the funniest. <laughs> yes, that was great. Oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I do like how the coach was like, this uh, woman, I mean, <clears throat> young girl, <laughs> it's like she is very clearly an adult woman. <laughs> she has an eye patch. <laughs> I love his whole speech about like, they never wanted black people on the team until they found one that was really good. It's right. <laughs> and I and found like, someone who's really good. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, the name of that person escapes me at this moment, but. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord. Some of these little characters. I mean, Molly Shannon being this episode. I know. I love the coach. So I love the real estate agent. I'm just like, I wish they would. Like, I wish it would be the gun room forever. And all of these little characters. Would have like their own arc. Yeah, Molly something. Shannon, even though she's not the same character at all, she reminded me of the, oh, what was her name? She was from like the first season, I believe. She was like a receptionist. Oh. And there was a whole story about David Lynch giving her a name that was never. Like, oh, said right. On right. At the, um, <laughs> at the Great Northern. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The like, she was kind of like trying to get on Ben's good side and like kind of report yeah. when people were here. And yeah. I, remember I don't know her. why they remind me of each other. They're not at all the same characters. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe they had like the same kind of like plucky attitude. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Maybe I just wanted both of them to show up a lot more than they did. <laughs> yes, especially Bonnie Sh- Molly Shannon. Yes. <sighs> She's the best. Well, should we do the sorting? Yes. <laughs> I was like, I probably shouldn't call it a deep dive when I... Although this one is fairly a deep dive because there's actually a lot of information we're doing Dwayne and Dougie Milford. And you would think there'd be a lot of information, but Mark Frost, when he was writing The Secret History of Twin Peaks, which was written Mm -hmm. for the season three prior to season three coming out, Ah. which we'll cover someday. It's crazy kind of lore. It's really interesting. I've only read it the one time, so I feel like I don't really remember that much of what happens in it. (laughs) (laughs) But Dougie is a big part of it. Oh. So we know that their parents, Dwayne and Dougie, owned the oldest pharmacy in Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, Dougie was born August 1st, 1909. (laughs) He was a U.S. Air Force officer specifically assigned to investigate to investigations concerning UFOs. Hmm. Hmm. He, obviously, a publisher of the local newspaper, the Twin Peaks Gazette, which I think he changed the name of, but I didn't write it down, so that's not important. (laughs) (laughs) But he flunked out of pharmacy school in Yakima, (laughs) and he he was considered impulsive with an unpredictable temper in his youth, and he was regarded as a black sheep and of his family and the town considered him a troublemaker he and his brother had a feud that lasted most of their lives concerning an old (laughs) flame and a rumble seat (laughs) 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 william s burroughs was almost cast as the role 
because oh. he was a fan of the show, but he was deemed too expensive. So, <laughs> <laughs> but there is like a ton more about Dougie and the secret history. I just was like, we'll just have to wait until we get to the secret history to learn the rest. Oh, of for sure. Now, there's actually surprisingly a lot less about Dwayne because hmm. Dwayne actually is in the show way more than Dougie. Right. Um, but we do know that he was the older and he was born in 1906. No specific date on that one. Hmm. He is a pharmacist and mayor of Twin Peaks from 1962 to 1990. For some reason, <laughs> it says in, on my notes, Tween Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> That should be like a Saved by the Bell, but Twin Peaks <laughs> TV <Yes>. show. Twin <laughs> oh Peaks. God. With Lydia, Mariah, all of the like yes. tween girls from <laughs> Pride and Prejudice doing <laughs> Twin, Pe- Twin, Twin yes. Peaks. Yes. <laughs> anyway, he was the mayor and he ran unopposed, I believe, for that entire time. Whoa. He was married for like 50 years. His mm-hmm. wife died, and he did have a son at some point who was named after him. But I don't think that he ever shows up in the show. I'm sorry, we haven't met him yet. Last little thing about them. Both brothers were Boy Scout Scoutmasters, and mm. Dougie, at least. I'm not sure if it was Dougie and Wayne, but I know that Dougie was definitely a part of it. But they had this experience as Scoutmasters where they saw a giant and a walking owl while camping out near Pearl Lakes. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Supposedly Dougie took a picture of it, but the film was overexposed, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure this is all hmm. in the book. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems very um the giant aspect seems very Bigfooty. Yeah. Ugh, scary. So in terms of sorting them though, I mean we right. do have a birthday for Dougie, August eleventh, which would make him a Leo. Uh-huh. I don't is... I guess. I mean he has like an unpredictable temper but he's also like uh like the leader of this newspaper for a long time and yeah so i, I mean would... we could just probably just call him a leo since... <laughs> i would say i would venture to say that they probably both have leo in their chart just because they both have that leadership quality yeah but definitely i would say if we i would say maybe dougie also has some like aries in him because he seems very impulsive and um yeah. kind of like a i forgot what to say very passionate about the things that he believes in oh totally totally i would maybe even say sagittarius just because of his history of having many wives <laughs> you think that he's a little not that that's necessarily sagittarius but since sagittarius is mutable fire it feels like mm-hmm. you know can change easier <laughs> float around <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like that so Sagittarius and Leo. Is that what we're gonna go with? Sure, Sagittarius, Aries, and Leo. We can go say he's a fire. He's a fire. He's person. just fire. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's probably got some air in there because newspaper and all. But right. Also, Sagittarius is like good for beliefs. So I would think like he wanted to do the newspaper because he had a lot to say about. Yeah, he had a lot of things to <laughs> to get out. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about Dwayne? Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You kids. I want to say. say... I mean, he could be an Aries too because, like, in the tarot, Aries is the emperor card, which makes me think of someone who's in charge for a really long time. But also, I feel like Taurus also kind of has that feeling of, like, 
someone who can sit on a throne for a really long time and oversee a, <laughs> a, a town. Although I don't know how much he actually does, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> how many big decisions are made in Twin Peaks? <laughs> Probably a lot, according to the secret history of Twin Peaks. So oh, <laughs> we'll see if we get there by now. Yeah, but like someone who can like do the same, like, I'm just going to be mayor forever, <laughs> you know? And yeah. Like, it feels like a tourist kind of like, yeah, I'm good. I I found my niche and I'm going to stick to it kind of a thing. Due to technical difficulties, we had to stop and start over, but we're going to try to just finish this up from where we left off, which I believe we had pretty much gotten to say we thought that Dwayne was a Taurus and yes. we can move on to, I, they're probably both, well, I guess maybe Dwayne is more of the lawful and Dougie mm-hmm. might be a little more neutral. Yeah. But I think they're both good. Don't you think? Yeah, I would say so. Like they never, any like shenanigans that they get into are never like anything bad. It's just like kind of silly stuff between them. Yeah. So I think they're both good hearted people. So yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, gosh. This one's hard. I know because like, I kind of want to say that maybe Dwayne or Dougie could have been kind of like maybe Tom from Sanditon. Like one of them could have been a Tomish character. Just, you know, like a lot of ambition. Like maybe, maybe Dwayne is more of a Tom. I don't know why my first thought was that Dougie was a Charlotte, but (laughs) Dougie was true. But Sanditon was the first thing that popped in my head for them. (laughs) <laughs> I do I do like Sanditon and also like the idea of brothers. I don't oh, know if that's true. what's bringing me. So maybe like a uh, a Tom is more of like a Dwayne and Dougie's kind of more like a Sydney. Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> that's kind of like, yeah, I was like, I don't know if there's just because they're both sets of brothers, but they kind of do match in that way. So I feel like they'd be really drawn to those characters. Yeah. And Dougie's more of the ladies man. Yes, definitely. And just like so. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really get to know him very well. So I don't know if he was, you know, as problematic as Sydney, but <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, but I don't know. Sometimes you can't really ever trust the ladies, man, fully. Maybe when we get to uh secret history of Twin Peaks, we'll be like, he was a Sydney, or he's definitely <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Cooper is like trying to tear apart this room now. So let's just move on to let's just skip final thoughts unless you have something specific you really want to say. But I think we kind of covered it in our talking. We'll just do recommendations, which... You already mentioned yours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm watching The Gilded Age and I'm loving it. It's from Julian Fellows, who did Downton Abbey. So, you know, it's great. I mean, it's got Christine Baranski, Cynthia Nixon. Wow. We we found out the main, like the main character is one of Meryl Streep's daughters. <laughs> this is like really? her first. Yeah, this is like one of her first um, stings. Um, and she's really good. And it's got, it's got a lot of Broadway people. So if you're a Broadway person, you're going to be like, that person, that person, that person. 
I it's, heard that. I yeah. forgot about that. It's very good. And I think I looked forward to it the most out of every other show. Oh, I haven't even started it yet. You're going to love it. For sure. <laughs> I was trying to think of what to recommend because I haven't really, nothing's changed since the last time. Mm-hmm. This one, no, this one will be out after the Olympics. So <laughs> I did oh, I did have one thing. I was thinking maybe I would ask for recommendations from the audience because I Ooh. was trying to, or I was polishing silver today and it was <laughs> the worst chore ever. I mean, it looks great once it's done, but it's such a pain in the butt. So I was going <laughs> to ask if anyone knew of a good silver polish out there that is <laughs> less work. <laughs> That's a that's a, a very Austin recommendation to ask for. I know, and you're recommending the Gilded Age. And we had a lot of Austin right. talk during this episode, so definitely you should be listening to both. <laughs> yes, very apt to be caught up on both. Yeah. <laughs> but if you would like to send in that recommendation for silver polish, you can do so. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can email us at mannersandmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us um, on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at mannersmadnesspod. Or you can leave a one-minute voicemail if it's a very particular polish that you love uh, on our (laughs) website at mannersandmadness.com. Yes, and I hope that you will. Even though I will probably be done polishing the silver (laughs) by the time you recommend it, at least next time. Because ugh, that's the, the future. Of silver. I don't even know why people have silver. Why do I even have silver? I just inherited <laughs> it. I don't care about it. <laughs> Who knows? Next, by the time we hear this, Maya may not have silver anymore. So. <laughs> may not. I'm going to melt it down and make some jewelry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just all going on top shelves anyway. I'm never going to use any of this stuff. <sighs> Except for maybe for a picture, because it is very pretty once you shine it up. <laughs> Yes. Maybe you could have a Austin themed dinner party and we can whip it all and fill it with delicious Austin foods. Yes, definitely. Put some creamer in the little creamer pot that I have. (laughs) (laughs) And some sugar in the sugar pot. Some butter in the butter dish. I have the weirdest pieces of silver. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very specific to the food that it's for. Yeah. But anyway, I guess that's it for today. <laughs> Sorry about the yes. crazy ending. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Like, next week, we are doing... I gotta look it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next week, we are doing episode 10 through 16, The Marianne and Willoughby Affair. <laughs> uh, <laughs> chapter <Persistent> sensibility. <laughs> Wait, did I... What did I say? Episodes. <laughs> They're kind of episodes. They're like chapters are like little mini episodes. Yes. (laughs) Several tiny episodes of Sensibility, the book. (laughs) (laughs) This technical difficulties has taken a toll on us both. (laughs) Yes. We're now just in the silly phase of recording. (laughs) And I'm sure you can hear all the background because Cooper is dragging. A basket across the floor because he is bored out of his dang mind. <laughs> it is must cause mayhem. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week for chapters 10 through 16 of Sisters Sensibility. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening. Bye. Good <laughs> night. 
Is a dog man's best friend? I yes. had a dog. The dog was large. It ate my garden. <laughs> Speaking of dogs. <laughs> he said, don't talk about other dogs when I'm around. <laughs> don't you dare mention dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Can I not record a podcast? Why don't you go out there and lay down? Don't look at me sad face. <laughs> Cooper.